Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. And I am joined today, and as always, by my friend, business partner, master of the English language, Mr. Jason Johnston Yellen. Say hello, Jason. Uh, hello, Joshua. And hello to everybody in listener land. Episode three. Episode we're doing three. it. We're doing it. We're doing it live. <laughs> we're doing it live. Do it live. I can go right uh, now. One Nation live. Under Whiskey is a podcast that discusses the three things. Speaking of number three, the three things that we do. What are those things, Jason? Well, longtime listeners know this list, but if you're joining us for the first time, we have an independent bottling company called Single Cast Nation. Mm-hmm. We run whiskey geek tours of Scotland. Ooh. They're a lot of fun. And we run a whiskey festival called Whiskey Jubilee in New York, Chicago, and Seattle. Speaking of Whiskey Jubilee, we just got done with our uh, second annual one in Seattle, didn't we? We did. We did. Six months of preparation for three hours of festival. <laughs> the, the math doesn't add up on that. <laughs> it, last year, I think we sold out one or two days before the event. We did. And this year, a week before, and we actually added, what did we add? Close to 100 more tickets, somewhere around there? Something around there, yeah. Yeah, yeah very full room, and... Unfortunately, we've outgrown the venue that we liked. Within Soto, it's a great spot. Uh, great parking, really easy to get to, and really fits our aesthetic. It's got that industrial look, the exposed vent work and things that we like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but just, it was too full. Too, uh, too full this year. So some parts. There were some areas that you could really go and stretch your legs, and then some areas that were a little tight. Really anywhere near the Scotch whiskey auctions table or anywhere near the Beam Centauri tables. Uh, which were side by side, created a little bit of a bottleneck. But I think you're being a bit modest too. Your table was <laughs> jam packed. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but there's nobody near my table. Like no other vendors or exhibitors near my table. I purposely you know, have an empty spot. Jason, what do you have on the table right now? Everything. I've got Ardmore eight-year-old matured in Lefroy cask. I've got eight-year-old Glen Talkers that surprises everybody who tries it. Uh, I've got the last year's Whiskey Jubilee Seattle Festival Bottling and I've got the Whiskey Jubilee Chicago Festival Bottling from last September that hasn't yet been released. This is only the second time it's been poured. Both times I've been at Jubilees. And then I've got the new Glen Murray, the new Lafroig and a Westland two-year-old American single malt in New Chard Oak. Nice. Here we are. Back to work. All right. Back to work. You do it. You do it. So, Jason, you spend all of your time behind the table pouring whiskeys while I'm out and about. Now, some people say that I'm sort of just gallivanting and having a a fun time with the attendees, just like, you know, just as if I was an attendee and not a showrunner. And and as you know, that's that's not the case. Um, when you say some people say that, his name might be Jason Johnston Yellen. <laughs> no, I, and I do. I, I really do. I, I had people coming up to me uh, all night. Nation members and, and attendees of the Jubilee saying, you are, you're working so hard behind this table. You are nonstop. And yet Joshua is out front getting whiskey and all that malarkey. And I always tell people the same thing. I do not want to do what you do. I want to be in my safe space behind the table, 
meeting our members, meeting new people, pouring for them, getting their reactions. I don't want to be running around putting out fires, making sure everybody's got what they need. Uh, we definitely play to our, our own skill sets at each of the Jubilees. So, so yeah, as, mu- as much as we have fun uh, with you running around enjoying the show, um, I, I know that you're crazy busy out there and I'm very happy to be behind the table. I, 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 what I really appreciated what you just said was how skilled I am. So thank you for that. That was a mistake. That was an oh, accident. Okay. Okay. Sometimes words <laughs> just fall out of my mouth. <laughs> so I'm running around and you're behind the table and yes, um, you talked about what was on your table. Now I recorded that at the beginning of the festival, but even though you and I spoke afterwards, the day afterwards, the day after afterwards, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't ask you what was, what was popular on your table? What were people digging? The, the newly released Laphroaig five yeah. P- people came to the table knowing that they wanted to drink it in my company and tell me how much they love it. So yeah. that, that was fantastic. Um, knowing that they were pity folk, the Ardmore really, uh, really surprised people. Obviously you've got an Ardmore, uh, for anyone tuning in for the first time, this Ardmore is an eight year old. It's part of our first batch of single cast nation retail releases and uh, all eight years were spent maturing in an ex Lafroig cask so on one hand you've got this highland peat that you expect to be sweet you expect to be floral you really expect that to be heather forward mm-hmm. and then you get something that's salty and coastal uh and and quite obviously Lafroig, and and people were just Hugely surprised by yeah. it, loved it. Um, our good friend Uzel, uh, who's been a member for a very long time, um, every time I lifted that bottle to pour for people, Uzel appeared by my side. Um, and I, I think Uzel maybe got half of that bottle on the night. Um, but he was one example of people who just absolutely fell in love with it and will be looking for it once it uh, appears in retail. And... Mm-hmm. The Whiskey Jubilee Seattle bottling that we were bringing out the last few bottles of that for people to taste from last year. Mm-hmm. And anyone who was new to the show this year, I wanted them to have a chance to to taste that bottling. Uh, and I had the pleasure of pouring that quite a few times with Matt Hoffman standing right next to me. <laughs> uh, he, he kept he kept appearing at our table to drink our Ardmore as well, um, uh, which was really brilliant to see yeah um but we spent some time talking with him about the jubilee bottling that he created for us uh, and i'm really excited that we got to pour that uh, a few times for folk i'll start from the beginning on the story because this is personally this is one of my favorite stories and i feel like it's an important part of my development as a distiller and blender i went over to scotland in late 2014 trying to figure out where the secret textbook for blending was you know what's there's got to be the pro there's like a protocol that everybody follows right and i don't you know what am i missing like i was developing my own techniques from scratch Mm -hmm. and i thought surely somebody must have figured out a better way to do this Mm -hmm. long story short they still disagree on how to do things over there i was talking to um to a whiskey maker over there who works for a uh pretty prominent brand um so he's a blender over there 
And I was introduced to him by uh, by somebody else, by a friend of mine. He said, just talk to this guy for a little bit and see, you know, just, just listen to, to what he has to say. So we were out, um, we were out on a boat. Um, this was part of the Worldwide Distilled Spirits Conference, kind of where you get all of the big whiskey makers and blenders together once every three years in one room. And we're out on a boat um, for this kind of last evening's show. Mm-hmm. And across from us, they had parked a tall ship, a big sailboat. And on it, there is an acrobatic show going on. So I'm talking to this guy this whole time about the different approaches that you can have in blending um, and what you can bring to the table. And all of a sudden, he starts saying things like, okay, there is, there are these two mermaids rising from behind this boat. They're wearing, um, you know, these kind of blue and green um, sparkly outfits and they're rising. So this is a rising peat sea spray influence. Up top on the highest tightrope, you've got this man in a purple leotard and he's up there, he's up top, so he's dominant but he's laying down so he's relaxed. So it's an older sherry cask. So this whiskey is composed of an older, it's dominated by an older sherry cask, Mm -hmm. um, but it has this kind of young, influential peat sea spray thing. And over the course of the next 15, 20 minutes as the show's going on, he keeps describing this stuff in real time. He keeps like re-blending and re-blending, like creating a whiskey based on this. And this blew my mind. Like this, but the thing that was, was the most striking of all of this is right at the end, he said, but it's too bad I can never make a whiskey out of this because nobody cares. What? Right. <laughs> right. Wow. And so I said, no, I think this is one of the coolest things I've ever heard because blending is so un- unappreciated. Um, people have no idea about the influence of what goes into blending. So when you guys approached us about doing the, uh, the festival bottling, and that would have been 2015, right? Yeah. And uh, I said, okay, I want, I want to do this. I want to kind of um, take what this guy was talking about and run with it. So the idea was we were doing the festival bottling, and this would have been the third bottling, I guess, right, at this point? Mm-hmm. The third? Yeah. 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 So the first one, you have these stories that go on on your labels, which is fantastic. So the first one is you've got this guy with his bottle sitting on the stoop, and it was a bourbon, right? Yeah. And so I said, okay, that's the beginning of the story. So we're going to start with, it's all Westland liquid, but we'll start with casks that were uh, first fill ex-bourbon casks. So that's going to be the foundation um, mm-hmm. of the blend. Um, and then we'll take the second year, uh, this man meets a woman. There's a romance um, being started here. So I said, all right, let's get some peat in there to kind of get you know the sparks of romance to kind of signify that sort of thing. Um, and then the third year, which is which was our which is our year, the man is proposing to the woman um, yeah. on the bottle. And I said, okay, let's make this whiskey reflect the sensations of pre-proposal, the emotional sensation of pre-proposal and post-proposal. So I intentionally made the nose a little bit tense, you know, uh, pre-proposal, like, oh God, is this gonna work? Um, And then post-proposal, the palate was celebratory. So it was very, um, almost effervescent in the way we kind of talk about bubbling off the palate, lots of big, bright flavors um, to signify this story and I thought that was a really cool way to showcase how you can you can bring in all sorts of other 
sources of inspiration into blending, and yet that's never talked about. Even in Scotland, where blending is so important, you know, this sort of stuff, this this creative blending is is never done in Scotland. And so we've we've kind of carried that tradition or this idea forward a little bit. Listening back to to Matt's well, to our conversation with Matt and how he designed the uh the Seattle bottling, it got me to thinking and, and you and I have discussed this before, but it got me to thinking about what we do as single cask nation uh, and how it differs from what we do as the Whiskey Jubilee. And for the Whiskey Jubilee Festival bottling, this was the second time now where we've created a bottling that wasn't a single cask, right? We had the, the High West, which was a blend that we did, you know, getting three component whiskeys, bourbon, rye, and light whiskey, all from MGP and creating our own blend. And then this this one from Matt Hoffman, where he's selecting from his own stocks. I mean, taking inspiration from from a storyline and and creating this whiskey specifically for um, for the event. So unusual, I think maybe from an outsider's perspective, that for Whiskey Jubilee, the guys who do single cast nation aren't releasing single cask stuff for Whiskey Jubilee. It's interesting that the thing that I'm starting to hear more, and whiskey has always been on a pendulum, but like most of society, but you're going to get philosophical there for a second. I can't help myself. Um, (laughs) But it's interesting when I when I first started getting into whiskey um, and I obviously didn't know much about it as I was getting into it, but I came to realize a few years into it. okay, independent bottlers, single casks, right? Those are. Those are good. Those are top quality. That's what we should be searching out. Yeah. And see those see those blends over there? Garbage. Total garbage, right? Avoid the blends. That's that. Ugh. Don't even waste your time. Don't waste your money. And I'm hearing more and more people now start to say, anyone can find a single cask, right? You find a single cask, you stick it in a bottle, you sell it, you're not diluting it, you're not doing anything to it. But blending, that's where the real art is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we we played around with our High West release for uh, Whiskey Jubilee New York, our second bottling there, and it's hard, absolutely hard. Right? <laughs> we had a, we had some bourbon, we had some rye, we had some American light whiskey, also known as American grain whiskey, and oh, that just needs a little bit more of the orange spice. Let's add just a little bit more of the light whiskey. Oh crap that doesn't taste anything like i thought it was yeah, going to taste up everything. <laughs> <laughs> like and and, yeah. and i'm 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 very willing to concede that the blending is is very difficult and and i'm glad that more blenders are getting recognition for their skill set yeah there's that there's that word again um and and i am i i don't think and and i'm sure our, our listeners are on board with this as well i don't think it's ever an all or nothing proposition I hope I, not. Yeah, I I don't think it ever is. There's, you know, we we we've committed our company to finding top quality single casks. It's not easy, right? And it's not yeah. easy following a release. It's not easy anticipating a release. Uh, we're very aware of our members' palettes, um, and now we're going into retail. Mm-hmm. Okay, now how do we get to know our fans right the, you know the, the people that come out and support us how do we get to know their palettes how do we put something on a shelf that we can stand by 
knowing that well it may not fit everybody's palate um how does that gonna work so so i i think there's a i think there's a nice balance to be found there um but i hope we don't swing too far away from single casks and finding casks being a skill set and blending being difficult and people who do it well like matt hoffman the way he just described putting together that westland jubilee bottling um i hope you know, still continue to pay them their, their due as well. Compass Box, of course, is, is revolutionized uh, uh, it as well. Yeah, of course. Um, just thinking about one of the other things that we've done with our festival bottlings, and I'm thinking of one in particular, and it's one that I happen to have with me right now in my hand. Um, this was our 2015 Chicago bottling. Right, uh, right. So, so this and um, this is me opening it. It had oh. the glass, the vino seal on it. Um, this one was not a blend, but it wasn't really a single cask. Well, I guess it was a single cask. That was a single cask. Yeah, it was finished, aced, right? Fin- if you will, yeah. Um, finagled. Were you about to say finagled? I wasn't. I wish I was. I wish I did. Okay. okay. Sounded like you were going to say finagled. No. So what was it? It was again back to American light whiskey, which, like you said, it, it's it's basically America's version of of grain whiskey. Eight year old light whiskey that was finished in a cask. Now get this. Now you <laughs> you and I know this, but I'm going to try to explain it. Put it here. Lay it down on wax, as it were. it's a brand new expression i've never heard that in my life really lay it down on wax lay it down on wax wow you're just a young soul um so eight-year-old light whiskey that was finished in a cask that previously held schmaltz hop mana ipa however the cask that was used to mature that schmaltz hop mana ipa and fresh mustard seeds, I might add, was previously used as one of the components. It was a rye whiskey cask. It was previously used for one of the components in our High West blend that we talked about. So you have American light whiskey extra matured in a rye cask that we used previously that we then used to mature beer in, that we released that beer for the Jubilee and and, and then you know finished in that beer cask and bottled at the uh at the nice abv of 65.1 percent alcohol what's that in american proof josh <laughs> oh gosh you're gonna put me up on that soapbox cut to the end of today's podcast to see what that joke was all about <laughs> it will make sense oh. um, to be honest with you i wish we could send this to some of our our friends in europe I think we've got people uh, over there who would absolutely love this cask. Um, I think it's bright. I think it's creamy. I think you know the the hop oils in it are yeah. absolutely mental. Given the beer scene and the whiskey scene uh, in Europe, continental Europe, northern Europe, I think this would absolutely kill over there. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, we can't do that. It's not yeah. legal. Um, I will say as well, Josh has got his nose in the glass, which is why I'm getting a chance to say multiple things here. Um, Well, you're blurting out tasting notes. Yeah, all right. There's the citrus. Oh, there's the creamy texture. There's the... When 
when that citrusy hop oil meets the malty beer, which meets the orange gumdrop, Ooh. orange spice uh, of the light whiskey, uh, it's remarkable, absolutely remarkable. Anyway, the thing I was going to go on to say is, oh, and this is this is a little peek behind the curtain, which is the the point of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where I I question our business acumen. <laughs> <laughs> you are laying this down on wax, good sir. On wax. Yeah, I, quote me on this. Quote me. Okay, yeah. All the news that's fit to print. Um, we pulled bottles of this from sale because we absolutely passionately love this whiskey yeah, and yeah. did not want it to sell out on us. And so we've just been quietly sipping away at it, a few bottles that are in the stocks. <laughs> Um, and you made the mistake this week of relaunching it to people who were interested in the 2016 Whiskey Jubilee, the last dozen yeah. bottles that were available there, and people who are now signing up for the new Chicago bottling, yeah. the Coval Bourbon. You made it available. I, people started buying it. It's not right. I, I never be drinking it until my very old days. I never said I was the smartest man in the, in the world. I mean, th- think about too. Think think back to our first jubilee bottling, mm-hmm. right? That that mm-hmm. that Heaven Hill, fifteen yep. year old, basically fifteen year old Elijah Craig, eighty seven yep. bottles. Yep, sold out in three hours. Why didn't we put some of that to the side? I mean, the, the, <laughs> Now you sound like my wife. Every time I tell my wife how that's doing on the secondary market, and she says, uh, and how much of that money do we see? And I say, oh, none at all. And she says, why are you telling me this? <laughs> yeah, at, at last count, I think uh, $2,250, $2,250, $2,500. Yeah, somewhere around there. For the very first Whiskey Jubilee bottling. And I've got one sitting on my shelf behind me that, yeah, I'm not selling it, but... I don't know when I'm opening it. It's very, very good. Yeah, and, and the High West one goes for five, six hundred bucks. I think I saw the Wild Turkey one going for around the same six hundred dollars. Um, yeah, I, I saw the Wild. I, I saw the Wild Turkey go for seven hundred. We released that last June for one hundred and one dollars, and as of March, I've seen it for seven hundred. So, what's in your glass? Do you have anything in a glass? <laughs> I, I don't as is my tradition i'm seeing how far my headphones will reach um but our our coval um, here's here's why i've got our coval in the glass mm. not only is it is it just been released and uh, we poured it at, at whiskey jubilee chicago last september mm-hmm. and then the second time we poured it was whiskey jubilee seattle yes uh, it was not released in that time um for various reasons um take it up with your local ttb agent um not sure if we're allowed to say that but there you have it (laughs) redaction Uh, redaction but but something very interesting happened um our longtime member lars bull and um and his friend and also member uh, pat carroll stopped by my table later in the night and they said uh jason i pour some of that coval Mm -hmm. and i poured some and they said uh, what do you get on that? And I'm and I've got my nose in it. I'm so, okay. I've got the got the caramel coming through. That yeah, the the corn is is pronounced. Yeah, I, I definitely get some of the wood influence on it. Yeah, and, and taste it. I'm like oh yeah, yeah that that works. Yeah, uh-huh, caramely, uh-huh. 
got good warmth. And, uh, and I could see they were waiting on me saying a particular word. And, uh, and, I, and, and they weren't rising to what I was actually saying. And, um, and I said, okay, cut to the punchline. What, what is it? What, what is it you want to hear me say? And, uh, and they said, do you get carrot? Carrot? <laughs> carrot. Wow. <laughs> they were both 100% convinced oh yeah there's there's carrot and they hadn't had carrot in any whiskey so yeah so I, I poured it today in, in search of carrot and uh, and I I love those guys a, a lot and I respect their palates a lot and I still don't get carrot <laughs> from it uh, so hopefully hopefully people have been buying this Jubilee attendees uh, when their bottles start showing yeah. up uh, can go looking for the carrot <laughs> as well and uh, and see if they find it. I'm recording. I'm here right now with Jessica Lomas. Full name check. What's that? Full name check. Yeah, full name, full name. Um, and she is behind the Scotch Whiskey Auctions table. Someone's burning peat. It's got to be over there. Yeah. At first, I thought my hair was on fire. <laughs> so, uh, Scotch Whiskey Auctions has been a partner of Whiskey Jubilee for two years. Two. Two years. Yeah. Third year, I think. Okay. Yes, it's our third year. Yeah. And I mean, I know why we bring you here every year. First off, we absolutely love you guys. Oh, First and foremost. Um, but you're always bringing something interesting, something totally unique to the event. Why, how is it you're able to do that? Some of it is um, bottles that we pick up when we're doing collections of customers. So on the table currently, we have a really nice selection of um, bottles which are hand filled at the distilleries. Um, so that's something you guys in the US can't pick up. So we want to bring you something that um, you can't get. We're in a room full of people with their brand ambassadors bringing, you know, all sorts of kind of almost every day, not every day, but you know, something that's a bit easier to obtain. Um, so we've got to, we've really got to beat these guys in what they have. So over here next to us, Lafroig have brought um, the peated malts of distinction. So they've got like the Bomo 12, 15, 18. So we need to really like beat them with what they have. So on the table, we've got a hand filled bottle of Bomo. It's in a, it's from a bourbon cask. Right. So it's 56.8%. So it's uh, as it should be straight out the cask, no chill filtering, no coloring, all natural. Um, so really that's what we're looking at. So there's a few of those. We've kind of got bottles that we've got from our own collections. Um, we've got like a really old dimple. Uh, and then we have kind of like old releases that we just buy up and we use to taste things. So yeah, we try to keep it weird and wonderful. Plus. Yeah, weird and wonderful is good. Can I have a pour of the of the Bowmore first bourbon? This has been so popular tonight. I was really surprised. We've got like maybe maybe just over half of it gone. I thought it would be on the table for a little bit longer, but it seems like everybody in Seattle loves yeah. cask strength Bowmore. Hey, for me, Bowmore shines in Firstville bourbon. The sherry seems to amp up the peaty quality to it, but the the bourbon kind of helps the fruitiness to come out a little bit. Oh, and this is a relatively young one. I think this is either nine or eleven. It's uh, so it's not particularly old. I 
love really old Bomos. They take on a totally different character, but this is still quite punchy. Yeah. And I think it really benefits being done at a higher ABV. I'm frustrated by a lot of brands when they water everything down to 40 or 43%, and it, I think it kind of hinders the whiskey, whereas these are great ways to try something as it as I think it should be. Uh, it's delicious. All right. I'm going to let you get back to your table because you've got some people here <laughs> that want to drink more than you want to talk. So. You know, it, it works both ways. But yeah, sure, I've come back and we'll try some old stuff too, like these old dimples. Oh, nice. Cheers. Thanks, Jess. So as we hear Jess say there, uh, and it's certainly something that we encounter our tastings. We even had member Jim Hendigus write into us last week and ask the question about mm -hmm. adding water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we've always said you can add water to whiskey. You can't take it out. Uh, and anytime you get a whiskey in front of you, if it's gas strength, definitely play around with it. And so, yeah, I, I think the conversation you had with Jess was absolutely spot on. I think we are hesitant to add water, but there are definitely moments when it can work. Speaking of adding water, not adding water, this light whiskey, you know, the, the Chicago 2015 Jubilee bottling at 65.1% alcohol, I am very hesitant to add water to this. I think it is completely drinkable at the ABV. Now, <laughs> others who are used to drinking, you know, maybe straight up 40% alcohol, 43% alcohol, may think I'm absolutely mental out of my out of my gourd to say such a thing but it is absolutely lovely with no water yeah i had a guy last year at the seattle jubilee whiskey jubilee seattle and um, see that it was 65 one and tell me that that was toxic and if anybody drank it they would die <laughs> um i'm living <laughs> you proof. meet all sorts you meet all sorts <laughs> you meet all sorts yeah he was he was really firm in the belief that I could have had bleach in that bottle uh, for all the good it was going to do him. <laughs> Just trying to, you know, cap off our conversation regarding Jubilee. You know, I think I think about who else I, I spoke with during the evening. Now, as you were out and about enjoying right? the show, yeah, drinking. Right? <laughs> Being able to actually speak to someone was difficult because a I wanted to let attendees have conversations oh, with people and B I wanted oh, right I wanted the exhibitors to speak with people who are going to discover their product for the first time or you know what have you I just didn't want to get in the way but Jeff over at Copperworks had maybe a a very small window in which I was able to speak with him you guys seem to have been in operation for quite some time but sort of held off on releasing anything I could be wrong on that but could you talk to me about that a little bit? So we were, um, uh, we opened our doors about three and a half years ago. Um, we just released whiskey about five months ago. So we waited uh, almost uh, three full years before releasing whiskey. Um, you know, we really wanted to do everything in full-size barrels. We wanted to do it the right way. Uh, and so until we had whiskey that was ready to go, we weren't going to put it out there. Um, so we released our first whiskey uh, August 27th of 2016. And um, now we're on our third release. Um, which is really taking advantage of uh, our two founders' backgrounds in brewing. So it's our first release that uses our five malts, um, which is sort of like a Scotch Ale recipe. Uh, and it spends almost three years in uh, char number three, New American Oak. And each release is going to continue to explore different barley, uh, different cask, uh, primary aging and finishing, um, different proofs, and really just explore all the different flavors we can get out of our uh, system. So 
And is it is it 100% uh, single malt that you're doing, or you're doing other stuff as well? We, um, we do our single malt whiskey. We also make vodka, uh, which is also made from malted barley. And then we take that same malt base and we make gins from it. Uh, and then we cask finish a lot of our gins. So since we're a whiskey distillery, we're used to working with casks. So we apply that to some gins as well. We've done 10 different cask finishes on gin. So you can only imagine what we'll have in the future on whiskey as well. So you, you had emailed me before about the gin. Yeah. We've got our chai uh, cider cask finish gin. So we've done some of the standard types of casks you could expect, like port and sherry and um, malt whiskey barrels and heated malt whiskey barrels even. Uh, but now we're on to some really interesting stuff. This is a barrel from Schilling Cider uh, here in the Seattle area. Uh, it's a chai-spiced cider that they aged in a Cabernet barrel. Uh, and then we finished our gin for seven and a half months in that. So it's a pretty, pretty rad product. And these are, and this, so this is, this is single cask gin then? Yeah, we do them one cask at a time. We basically only sell it out of our tasting room and select uh, bars and restaurants around Seattle. And, you know, they're typically 250 to 350 bottles, and when they're gone, they're gone. So it's, that, is, that is fantastic. And the, the picture that's behind me, those are of your stills. So those look like proper Forsyth stills. Those are uh, Forsyth stills. So um, we were going to make single malt whiskey in America, and we wanted to have the right equipment. When you think single malt whiskey, you think Scotland. And when you think Scottish stills, you think Forsyth. So um, we went and sourced them from over there, got them designed. Uh, took about a year and a half to get them, but it's totally worth the wait. They've definitely lived up to everything they uh, are said to be. Our spirit still is modeled after the Balvinis still. You know, it's just one of our favorite distilleries. And, you know, we like the classic, you know, taste of their whiskey and thought it could really apply well in, in America with the style that we're doing. So, yeah. Nice. Well, thank you very much. I'll let you, you've got people waiting. I don't want to, but thank you so much. Thank you for being here, seriously. Yeah, of course. All right. Cheers. Now that Whiskey Jubilee is behind us, and, and we've talked primarily about the festival itself. I was going to say, is Jubilee ever really behind us? I can, I can tell you that the week after it concluded, I started looking at venues for next year's event. So yeah, we've still got New York. Yes, we've still got Chicago. I'm already in the early planning stages of Seattle. Yeah. So so is it really six six months for three hours, yeah, or is it a full year? <laughs> <laughs> it's never far away. It's never far away. That's why we drink. But we added we added a bit of a wrinkle. Maybe not a wrinkle. We augmented the whiskey jubilee experience this year. There's the there's the word of the podcast. Well Do done, sir. Augmented. We augmented the experience. Yeah. Go forth. Yeah. Uh -huh. Continue. Yeah. Look at that. And you're the master of the English language, not me. So we augmented it by adding in a new feature that we call Whiskey Jubilee Week. We and did. Yeah. We did. It's something we've wanted to do for a while. Um, but again, when we're spending months and months planning three hours, we don't necessarily want to add to that planning. Um, but really, uh, along with our good friend Christopher Grombeck, um, we wanted to use his venue to get some really interesting tastings happening. Yeah. And so... On that Monday night, uh, Scotch Whiskey Auctions, Jess and Tam uh, were there and poured some some real cracking whiskey, including a 1960s old Fitzgerald oh, yes. um, that was released to the Italian market and finally made its way home to be consumed in the Pacific Northwest. Um, <laughs> and that, that was a great taste. 40 people attended that. Then on the Tuesday, 
uh, I did a couple of rotating tastings uh, at the Barrel Thief where I, I poured our complete retail line for people. Uh, very, very well received there. Um, and so that, that was that was really lovely mm-hmm. to see. And then on Wednesday night, Downtown Spirits hosted David Sturk of Exclusive Malts Creative Whiskey Company. And he did a great tasting. I think he poured a 43-year-old Invergarden. Am I right in saying that? <laughs> yeah, that, that was, uh, you know, maybe a nice introductory dram to his, very nice, to his yeah. tasting. Welcome in the door. Have a little taste of this. We, so, uh, we, we interviewed David Sturk in our first episode. We did. Right, right. That is correct. Yes. He's a good, good lad, good, good, yeah. good supporter. Um, and so, yeah, so we had a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, and then the Whiskey Jubilee on the Thursday. I, I should also add that our friends at Westland Distillery had an open house yes. from yeah. 3 p.m. till 7 p.m., and anybody with a Jubilee ticket could stop by for a, a tour and a tasting. Yeah. You know, one of the things we've always wanted in launching this company was to collaborate with people. Yeah. You know, yep. like we enjoy working with each other. Um, we also have a lot of friends in the industry and we were looking to work with them as well. Early on this podcast, Matt Hoffman talked about that collaboration um, and, and working with him and learning from him. Absolutely fantastic. Then we've got Grombeck, right? Mm-hmm. Partnership mm-hmm. on Barrel Thief Whiskey Geek Tour, but also using his venue space to host a Whiskey Week event. Um, it's just really, really fun to get out, see people, meet people, um, you know, we're, we're all of a similar mind. And so that that's always what we're looking for is good collaboration. Yeah. Uh, and the Jubilee ticket holders who were able to show up and have their ticket go a little further with, with different tastings kept saying, this was a great week. Really, really yeah. enjoyed this week. Thanks for putting it together. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I always say, thanks for supporting it. That's, oh, this, you know, this, this, this is not a one way street. No, not at all. Um, it, 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 it's a partnership on many different levels, but w- with what you said in mind, it, it got me to thinking that this would be a perfect segue into our news portion of the podcast. Extra, extra, read all about it, life story of Playboy Penny, extra, 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 read all about it, me and that Playboy in trouble again. And what do we have in the news, Joshua? <laughs> well, we, uh... <laughs> Speaking of Jubilee and, and the fact that the planning for uh, for any event is, is really never over, we've got Whiskey Jubilee New York coming up June 15. Um, as of the day of this recording, uh, this is the final day for our early bird uh, discount. So this podcast goes out on March 15th. So Which hopefully... A, no use <laughs> it's to no anybody use. listening. Right no, I know, I know. That's okay. Well... If you're listening today and you want to go to Whiskey Jubilee in New York City, you missed early bird pricing. Unless you have a flux capacitor, a DeLorean, and Doc Brown. Hey, and... It's 2017. Who doesn't? <laughs> 1.21 gigawatts. Um, uh, but we, uh, we're already halfway sold out, which is great. Um, but Seattle was a really a pilot program for this Whiskey Jubilee week. So as we're planning Whiskey Jubilee New York, and there's more things to be added, you know, we talked about um, Scotch Whiskey Auctions doing a master class um, at at the Jubilee, highlighting the 2017 uh, Isla Festival Fijila bottling. So we'll have that. Uh, but we'll, being that Seattle was our pilot program for for Whiskey Jubilee Week, we will introduce Whiskey Jubilee Week to New York. 
details of that will be forthcoming, but uh, there'll be some really nice events there. Um, the other thing that I think uh, bears mentioning, and, and you talked about it a little bit um, at your tasting with Barrel Thief, was is you you previewed people on a retail line, right? I did, I did, in a market that it's not going into, <laughs> in a market that it's not going into, but it, but it is going into several markets. Uh, and it's we will be launching it, or it should be hitting store shelves, sometime around mid to late April, somewhere around there. It is, yeah. The the news that we actually got on the day of the jubilee uh, was that oh, it was right. on the water. On the water, and so, yeah. and so it kind of shows the multiple plates that we try to keep in the air at all times. Here we are setting up the jubilee, getting all our ducks in a row there, while we're getting the information that the single cast nation retail line is on the water. Um, so just tremendous news that really buoyed us. Um, I don't know if you see what I did there, connecting on the water to buoyed oh, us. Oh, look at but that. That's, see, you know yeah. I never see those things. I never see those things. Well, that's why I just take a just a slight moment to point them out to you so that you can enjoy them as much as I do. <laughs> so thoughtful. So thoughtful. Always thinking. Um, we, we added a new market to our uh, existing markets. We've got California, yeah. Illinois, Two. Massachusetts, Three. <laughs> New York, Four. New Jersey, Five. Connecticut, Six. and we added Rhode Island, Rhode Island. bound. <laughs> You're too so much that's of Rhode a, Island yeah. if you yeah, that's Rhode Island if you didn't pick up on that. Was that the Family Guy song that you were singing there? It is YouTube it is. Family Guy, yeah. Brian Stewie and and Rhode Island. Anytime I hear those those combination <laughs> of words. I really go. That's where my mind goes. So yeah. apologies yeah. for that. And, so, but yeah, yeah. And end of April for um, six single casks. Um, yeah, Ben Nevis twenty's gone over great. Glenn Talker's went great. The Ardmore that we talked about earlier going great. Yeah. And we also got the Ben Nevis eight year old coming over. Um, we got the Gervin that I'm very proud of. Yeah, and yeah. Um, that leaves one Glenn Rothis. And as a reminder, that that eight year old Ben Nevis is for New York, New Jersey. And Connecticut, so, so it's 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 five plus one, really. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 But I think in this internet age, people know how to find things. Yeah. I so, think that will sell great. So if you're interested in attending Whiskey Jubilee New York City, it's our sixth year. Just go to whiskeyjubilee.com. Head over to the tickets link, I think it is, or the cities link. You know, something like that. You're all tech savvy. You can know how to read a website. Uh, you can check it out there, buy a ticket, 140 each for three hours, 100 brands or so, close to 300 whiskeys, more food than you can shake a stick at. Great stuff. We actually have more news to share, um, but a, a, a limited amount of time in which to share it in. So rather than expand upon our various bits of news, Jason, Jason Johnston Yellen, I thought... Guilty. Guilty. Guilty as charged. I thought it'd be good to talk about a misconception. You call it a grinding of the gears, is it? I, is it? I, I do. So we just had the Family Guy reference uh, with Rhode Island. Yeah. Uh, they, they also have a, a great one. You can you can search this on YouTube where Peter Griffin gets a, a segment on a local news program called Grind My Gears. <laughs> and, uh, and I feel like today... Yeah, there's a little bit of a misconception, and we'll we'll see if Josh can bring it full circle. But um, th this really is an episode of grind my gears. So, 
So here, here's the inaugural episode with Joshua Hatton. Take yeah. it away, Joshua. <laughs> I'm going to sit here quietly and enjoy my Whiskey Jubilee Koval. Oh, wow. Today's misconception. Slash what grinds my gears. Slash what grinds my gears is one of two words that grind my gears. Do you know which, which word I'm about to, to bring up? If it's not smooth, uh-huh. it must be proof. Oh, you know me so well. You know me so well. <laughs> Second episode of Grind My Gears in a later podcast will be Joshua Hatton speaks about smooth. <laughs> so, but for today, does it is it proof? Is that what you're going for? It is. It's proof. It's proof. Buckle up, everybody. <laughs> um, I was pouring an event just uh, a few few days back. And pouring our new retail line of whiskeys, uh, which everybody was loving, thankfully, uh, makes me feel good about our cask selections. And so I pour our Ben Nevis eight-year-old, and the guy knoses it. He tastes it. He says, "Oh man, what's the proof on this?" <laughs> and to be honest, I, you know, you know me, I, I don't think about proof. I, I think what the ABV is. My brain works zero to one hundred. That's the maximum number of percentage points you can get, right? You can't go, there's no such thing as, you know, uh, giving 110%. Am I right? That, that'll be a later episode of Grind My Gears with Jason Johnston Yellen. So, <laughs> so, so I, I, I'm a bit of the odd man out in the U.S. at least because I don't think about proof. I think about ABV. So the guy says, what's, what's the proof on this? And I said... I said, I don't know. It's sixty-four point eight percent alcohol, and and he says, okay, so that makes it, and you know, and I can see him, you know, his his brain is working, and he's trying to do the exact sixty-four point eight percent times two, which you know you can get it quickly. What would that be? One hundred and twenty-eight, hundred and twenty-nine proof somewhere around there. One hundred twenty-nine point six. See, there you go. So uh, not only are you a master of the English language. Jason, you're a master of multiplying by two. <laughs> <laughs> and and so he's thinking about it and and I said and I said, "Yeah, you know, uh, I don't know what the proof is, but but do you like it?" And he says, "Oh man, it's fantastic." Right? He absolutely loved it. He 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 got why we bottled it. And all I can say was, "That's great." Right? Uh people are getting what we're doing, but <laughs> And here's the gripe part, so for, or the grinding, the grinding of the gears part. The grinding of the gears part says, why are, why are we focused? Why are we as Americans focusing on multiplying an ABV by two to get the proof? Now, talking to Chuck Cowdery on Facebook, and he says, "Man, we're Americans. That's what we do. That's what we're comfortable with." And I get that. I totally get it. You know, part of me says it's it's unnecessary math. But I get it. If you're comfortable with that, I get it. Here's where the misconception part of it comes into play. There's two different proofs that that do two completely different things. In the U.S., we keep it nice and simple. You take a number, you multiply by two. Is it 50% alcohol? You've got 100 proof. Is it 60% alcohol? You've got 120 proof and so on. But if you look at U.K. proof, 100 proof is actually 57.4% alcohol. And 105 proof is 60% alcohol. So you have these two completely different systems that try to take something that is, at, you know, really 
more simple. If you if you think about it, zero to one hundred, just percentage. They're trying to take a, a simpler idea to bring it to another number. And so there's the misconception part, the fact that there is a universal proof. There is not a universal proof. There's a universal percentage. So there's the misconception. Back to the grind the gears. Why do the extra math? I get it. That's, people do it, and, and I'm not going to you know, begrudge them for, for wanting to do that, for feeling comfortable in doing that. So I will, you know, move forward. Someone asked me that. And I say, oh, it's 64.8%. Oh, what's the proof? You know, uh, 128, 129, somewhere around there. And, you know, it's it, it's easy enough. So I guess a, a little less grinding the gears and a little more misconception. It's, how did I do? Did I do okay? I think the whiskey kicked in at some point there because you really started relaxing. And instead of getting yourself wound up there, you actually started extending an olive branch and oh, i think yeah. that's uh, that says a lot about you as a human being and huh. yeah you didn't yeah, hear well me, done you didn't hear well me done. cock the gun <laughs> you didn't you didn't know none of that <laughs> <laughs> so there you go that's this week's misconceptions um but let's talk quickly before we head out we've gotten a few emails uh which is which is great um uh, from episodes one and episodes two so we got a really nice email from nate Arnold, um, and uh, I don't know. Jason and I have Jason and I have gone over it a few times and discussed it a little bit. Why don't you read that email, and uh, then we can uh, dig dig deep into it. For sure. Here we go. Uh, Nate Arnold gets to hear his email read with a Scottish accent. So oh, here, look here, at come, that. here come your words, Nate. Hello, gents. First, congratulations <laughs> <Scottish> on. Accent. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's great. Go ahead. Continue. From where I was interrupted, or should I start from the beginning again? From where you were. Yeah, just go ahead. Oh, silence from Joshua. <laughs> Hello, gents. First, congratulations on podcast number one. I really enjoyed hearing the interview and conversation regarding the independent bottling scene. At Single Cast Nation, what do you look for when selecting casks? Of course, taste is a large part of the equation, but what other factors do you look for? Interesting cask or distillate history? Unusual character, deviates from distillery house style. Something intangible, like a feeling or memory that the smell or taste evokes. And then he closes, like a gentleman. Keep up the good work. We're doing our best, Nate. We're doing our best. Thanks, Nate. Let me continue since I have the mic. I would say it's a little combination of... of Everything he puts in there, mm. maybe, maybe, you know, uh, and not for every cask, though. That's the thing. Um, one of the things that I found when I uh, first started purchasing independent bottling uh, or independent bottles of casks was I liked the peek behind the curtain. And, and I've said this many, many times. I'm a big, big fan of Laphroaig. I like what they put out. Uh, I buy uh, a lot of what they put out. And if I can get a Laphroaig single cask, gives me an other side of the distillery to explore. Mm -hmm. um, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy that. Um, and so I know when I'm selecting casks, I'm looking for, if you know Distillery X, what does this single cask mm -hmm. add to that? What does it add to that knowledge that you've already got? Um, what can we ch change up in the knowledge that you've already got? Yeah. Um, so, so that's a big one. 
when he then asks about interesting cask or distillate history, I think our, our latest Glenn Murray uh, responds to that question, yeah. right? Six years, so the Glen Murray spirit, six years in First Fill Bourbon, followed by six years in First Fill Madeira. Yeah. That's a very interesting distillate history, and it's a very interesting cask. And it adds to what I just said a moment ago. If you know the Glen Murray style, this is a very different representation of that style. But it's about being interesting and and different and us having something to offer that's not already in the marketplace. Josh? Yeah, I think the same could be said uh, about the Ardmore as well, right? Ardmore matured in Lafroy cask. You've got just uh, an interesting cask maturation. When I think about how we select our stuff, there's often uh, varying reasons why we would or would not select a whiskey. Sometimes we'll select a whiskey, and I think back to our Glen Murray, our, our first Glen Murray 12-year-old, right? We selected that cask because it was a shining example of what Glen Murray can do in First Fill Bourbon. Um you know, Glen Murray has first fill bourbon releases and, and it's great whiskey, 40, 43% alcohol and, you know, e- easy going because of the ABV, but the, the character is there and it's solid, but in single cask, it's, you know, it's that on steroids. And so it becomes this shining example of a whiskey. You know, sometimes when we select our casks, really it's, it's range, it's range of our portfolio that comes into play too, right? Like here we are planning our releases for 2017 and we've got to plan uh, about 18 casks for our online membership and 18 casks for retail right and Jason is like shaking his head like oh my gosh this is just a a shit ton of work and (laughs) and and it's good work but it it is work Um, but you have to think about um, not just is it good whiskey but does it fit into our sets of releases that we're doing, right? It, it was a bit odd, I think, for us to launch our retail line and not have an Isla whiskey there. But we answered that in a way with that Ardmore matured in Lafroy cask. But if we didn't have that, we would definitely want to have some sort of Isla or you know, specifically Isla, maybe not just Peated, but some sort of Isla-like whiskey in there to make sure that our offerings um, are are rounded. So we have some ex-bourbon matured stuff, we have some sherry cast matured stuff, and then we have a smoky one. So we, we want to make sure that there's balance out there and it's not too heavily leaned toward Speyside or heavily leaned toward Lowland, you know, what, what have you. So I think that definitely comes into play. Absolutely. And even to add to that, Nate's final question there, um, something intangible like a feeling or memory that the smell or taste evokes. Invokes. Really, when we sampled the Brookladdy nine-year-old that we bottled for our online membership, one of the first things we said when we stuck our nose in it was that smells exactly like the Brookladdy warehouse. Yeah, yeah. Like that, that was an immediate moment, and that was an opportunity to take people through the, the olfactory system into a place where we'd stood and tasted and yeah. had discussions and conversations. And so, yeah, I, I think that's a, a wonderful question uh, from Nate and, and covers a lot of ground that we absolutely consider when we're selecting casks. Yeah. 
I also want to add that coming out of last week's questions, um, our One Nation Under Whiskey uh, Twitter account, and, and what's our handle on Twitter? Our Twitter handle is at One Nation Whiskey, and that's whiskey without an E. The Great Natsby reached out on Twitter, and The Great Natsby is another long-term supporter of ours and, mm-hmm. and reports that she's enjoying the uh, podcast that we're putting out. Thank you, thank you. Uh, and The Great Natsby uh, reached out to add to the conversation from last week about getting the light whiskey. And they found that it started out a little tight, but with that bottle open within a couple of weeks, they had something that they just absolutely passionately loved. And so I I love the fact that from our questions coming Mm. into the email, right, questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com, we've got us answering it on the podcast. We've got somebody referencing it on Twitter and adding to the conversation. It's exactly the type of community that we're hoping to build with this podcast, listening to people. And so if anybody even wants to reach out on Twitter with a question, if your question gets used in the podcast, just like it would if you sent in an email, we'll happily send you a, a sample. Uh, of our whiskey for you to enjoy. So the great Naspi reached out to us on Twitter. We have Nate reaching out to us on questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com, and that's whiskey without an E. Someone reached out um, on Facebook just a a few days back and mentioned they listened to our podcast, loved it. This was episode two, and we were talking about NAS whiskeys. And this person who asked me not to use their name had said, you know, I I don't mean to sound uh, uneducated, but what does NAS mean? Oops. Right. And so we didn't, we didn't explain it. So, uh, (laughs) right. So this, (laughs) this person is uh, probably one of many and and we sometimes talk as if everybody's in the know. So NAS means non-age statement. So if you've got a bottle of whiskey that doesn't say 8 years, 10 years, 12 years, 15 years old, whatever it may be, 40 years old, if if there's no age, that's NAS, non-age statement. So there you go. Next week's misconception, everybody knows what NAS means. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So thanks for listening, even though we're using, you know, terminology that... Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, so we hope more people will reach out to us. And another thing, and we're going to ask you. We we typically are not going to ask you guys anything, but we're going to ask you this: Could you? Would you? In a house? Could you? Would no? Could you let people know about our podcast? Uh, spread the word about One Nation Under Whiskey uh, podcast, and and rate us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, you know, getting ratings will, will only help us and, uh, you know, get, get the word out. Thanks to, uh, to Natalie, uh, the great Natsby. Thanks to Nate for reaching out and we'll follow up, uh, on those samples. And I think that that is it for the week. Yeah. Thanks to everybody who agreed to be interviewed at the Whiskey Jubilee. Uh, That was a lot of fun for us. First time we'd ever done anything like that. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, I think the last thing to tell our listeners is that we've agreed on a regular release schedule every second Wednesday. Oh, that's right. Yeah, every second Wednesday you will find One Nation Under Whiskey on your phone, in your podcast stream, what have you. 
So please listen. That's, please share. That's it. Let's wrap it up. Cheers to you, Joshua. Yeah. Cheers to our listeners until next week. All right. Cheers, Jason. Cheers, everybody. Bye-bye. Cheers.